Welcome back to Dist Media, a startup story. My name is Ben Olmos, founder and CEO of Dist Media. This is a podcast where I take you along my journey of starting Dist Media from the ground up. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. I'm happy you found us and hopefully you'll like what you hear. For those of you coming back, I'm glad that we piqued your interest enough for you to return and I hope that you enjoy this next step in our journey. This show is all about documenting Dist Media's startup journey and keeping you in the loop every step of the way. I'll be keeping you up to date on meetings, phone calls, emails, and all the things that I need to do to get this business up and running. So with that, let's pick up where we left off last time. As you may recall, I was still waiting to hear back from one more board member. They were away at the time, but I was happy to hear that when they came back, they took a look at everything I had sent them, and as they put it, they were intrigued and wanted to come aboard. Luckily for me, every single person I had reached out to expressed an interest in what I was doing and wanted to join the journey. So after a small and personal celebration, I got to work on what happens next, which is holding our first board meeting. This next step was going to be a little bit challenging because the people I had asked to join the board are all very busy professionals. They have things to do every single day and I needed to get everybody together on the same day at the same time to roll out some of the things that I wanted to talk about. So how did I solve this problem? I solved it with an app I've been using for a long time, though I've never really used it in this capacity. Now this isn't a plug and I'm not at all sponsored, but I did want to share that I do love this app and it's something that I would encourage you to check out, especially if you're in a situation like this. So the app I used is called Calendly and what Calendly does is integrate with your calendar and it's great if you're a person who needs to set up meetings and want to give people the opportunity to look at the open slots on your calendar and book a time that is convenient for both of you. But something else Calendly has that I really like is the ability to take several dates in your calendar, block them off, and put them out there for vote. So what I did is created a link for all of my board members to be able to go to, look at the available times that we could all meet, and vote to see which one fit their schedule the best. Now it's a multi-voting process, which means that you can select multiple times if you're a participant in the survey. And this was really helpful in me being able to find one day and time that worked for everybody. Once I selected the day and time that everybody said they could meet, I went ahead and sent them the invitation directly from Calendly. And what's great about it is that it also integrates with any of the meeting software applications you might have like Teams or Zoom. So it sends them a link for that too. So one more big step down, the next thing to do was to create an agenda. Now, I'll be honest with you, I am a little back and forth when it comes to agenda. Sometimes I'm uh, very much on it. And when I was working in large corporations, agendas were kind of the thing that everybody had to do. If you didn't do an agenda, you sometimes got looked at a little bit weird or you got some feedback uh, with people saying, you know, how come we didn't have an agenda for this meeting? My experience with smaller companies and startups is that virtually nobody I've really worked with uses an agenda. So uh, because the folks on my board really come from different environments, some of them primarily work with small companies, a few of them have worked with big corporations, I went ahead and defaulted to kind of the highest expectation of the people on the board. So I went ahead and put some time into creating an agenda. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's really good because it not only keeps us on point, but it makes sure that 
I discuss everything that I need to while working with the folks that are on the board. You know, their time is valuable. And as somebody calling a meeting, you got to be respectful of that time. So my goal was to put something together that was succinct, achievable, and something that was going to help us move through the topics of conversation that I had for our first meeting. So what did the agenda look like? Well, because this was a new team and we were just getting to know each other, I wanted to make sure that we all introduced ourselves, shared a little bit about our backgrounds and got to know each other a little bit more. So we started there and then I wanted to get some thoughts on the first podcast that was sent out. So even though you're listening to this podcast now, I had actually sent this out to my team weeks ago to just kind of get their feedback and see what they thought about that first episode. And they wanted to have a brief discussion about how we incorporate. There's a lot of different ways that you can structure a company. And I had a room full of experts here, so I wanted to see what they thought. I then wanted to also talk about some of the tools and resources that we're going to need uh, for our company, as well as, you know, some of the strategies that we might consider using since we are a media company after all. You know, one of the things that I have been plagued with trying to figure out is how much content should we have before we launch? We want to make sure that we have enough that people can actually go to a website and see something. But I also don't necessarily have the budget to pay for a whole bunch of content up front before we ever get started. So I wanted to ask a couple of our media experts that were on the board and see what they thought. I then wanted to talk about the publication name. Dist Media is really the parent company, but underneath that are going to be brand names for the online content, the podcasts, the education programs, and everything else. So with everything in place, the next thing to happen was our first meeting. And this meeting actually happened within days of the last podcast that I had recorded. Everything was moving fast. I wanted to keep the momentum going. The other thing, too, I wanted to make sure that my board remembered that I was going to be recording the meeting and sharing some of the things that we talked about in that meeting on the podcast. And this was done just as a courtesy to remind them that we were recording everything. Now, as I mentioned in my last episode, I'm not going to share every moment of the conversations that happened, but I am going to share with you the highlights. So with that said, let's go ahead and jump into the introductions and I'll let you meet the rest of the team as well. Well, um... I appreciate everybody uh, uh, jumping in here, and I'm going to go ahead and just start rolling. I am uh, recording this, as you probably heard when you came in, and I put that out there that we're going to be recording these things. And not that I'm going to put everything in there, but not only is it going to help me just kind of recap things, but then also uh, for the podcast, which uh, I sent out to everybody, is just kind of a introductory of what I'm kind of hoping will build into some more content. Um, It's going to be a very interesting experiment to document the journey of creating a business from pretty much zero. So I appreciate you guys uh, jumping on. Um, First, let me just start by saying thank you all. You know, this is something I've mentioned to you, uh, each of you, I think individually, this is something I've been wanting to do for some time. And for one reason or another, things come up, you get busy. You don't know that you have people who you know would want to do it or people as interested in doing something like this as you are. And I just kind of feel like now is a, a good time. And each of you have very specific talents and skills and knowledge. And, and I think a lot of each of you because of what you know and what you've done. And um, 
I feel really kind of fortunate to know each of you, but then also to be able to take on something like this um, with each of you to uh, to see where it goes and hopefully it goes somewhere good. So with that said, I want to take a moment. Uh, this is our first time all coming together as a group. Um, I would love to just kind of go around and everybody say hello. I know each of you know me, but none of you, eh, some of you, not all of you, know each other. So um, we'll uh, we'll go around and say hello. And I'm going to start w- who's in my top left, which is uh, Matt. So Matt. Hey, everybody. Good to be here. Uh, my name is Matt. I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area, born and raised. Uh, I used to be a journalist. Uh, I wrote for SF Weekly, Vice, Rolling Stone. I built a comedy publication called The Hard Times, which is like The Onion, but for punk kids. I used to play in punk bands. Um, I sold that publication, and I'm currently building another one called Hard Drive, which is a video game comedy and actual news site. And I'm also currently building a technology company called Outvoice, which helps publishers onboard, manage, and pay their freelancers. And very soon, we'll also help them find their freelancers. So, yep. Glad to be here. So, um, Keith, uh, I'll turn it over to you. Hello, everybody. Keith Watts. Uh, I'm a drug guy. Um, by profession over time. Specifically, I grew up in the pharmaceutical industry, started a couple of companies with a a partner. We had some good transactions, divestitures, uh, and the, um, I guess I've, I've worked in big pharma, little pharma, and, uh, over the last 12 years, uh, aside from teaching, I've been, doing consulting with Telexto Healthcare Partners. So I I do consulting, uh, I advise equity companies. I also um, sit on the board of a couple companies. One company that I'm helping right now has a drug for brain cancer, and we're working on valuation for uh, an asset that we're gonna divest uh, into the market. Uh, And so that's the drug side. I've also done specialty pharmaceutical distribution, uh, sent all over the world to talk about how to uh, get drugs before they're approved. Aside from the pharmaceutical consulting, I'm consulting for a medical device company getting ready to launch a product. And so I'm healthcare all the way, crazy love it, love learning about it, and love Ben, enjoy everything we've done together in the past. And very happy to meet everybody. Do I have about 10 more minutes? No, I'm kidding. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, Keith, thanks so much. Next, I'm going to turn to uh, my friend, Lisa Fay. Lisa, the floor is yours. Um, hi, everybody. It's lovely to meet you. Uh, I am Lisa Fay. I actually know Ben from working at the Coca-Cola company, uh, where I spent uh, 10 years, I'm sorry, 30 years, about 10 years in sales, about 10 in training and development, and 10 in uh, marketing. Lived all over the country, taught sales training globally, worked in the food service side, the retail side, and the corporate side, or as my father likes to call it, I can't hold a job. (laughs) Um, I left, when I left Coke, I became a professional speaker and I work on communication skills, especially through the tools of improv comedy. Uh, so I do that. And I'm also a luxury and adventure travel agent. 
So do lots of different things. That's me. <laughs> you do you do do lots of things and you didn't mention you also uh, self-published two of your books as well so yes <clears throat> um all right uh next uh actually Danielle? they are to a small publisher ben <laughs> oh you did yeah my apologies um danielle all right. Hello, everyone. My background, you know, when I say I'm a people person, I spent a lot of time helping leaders and organizations so that they can lead their people better and smarter. Uh, my current role now in the risk management company where I'm focused on talent marketplace. So I'm all about bringing gigs in AI technology into organizations so that people can have more and better internal mobility um, within the company. I also do that outside um, from a consulting perspective. I do have a pretty large healthcare organization that I consult with and doing culture work with them. Um, and as well as one of the, the largest actually, um, pest control organization. I consult with them in mergers and acquisitions and change. So I am, I dabble a lot in the little spaces. Um, so I'm really, really excited to be here with all of you. Awesome. Thank you, Danielle. Uh, Mira, go for it. Floor is yours. Hello, everyone. My name is Mira. I have studied journalism for the majority of my career. i I usually just call myself a writer. Um, I've been a freelance writer for almost five years. It'll be five years in April. Um, and I work with Matt over at Outvoice where I do sales and marketing and a little bit of everything. Um, I like to think that I'm the real CEO. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to be here. I, uh, I'm a writer from... Uh, the depths of my soul and I feel like I can't really do anything else but write um but I I have a hand in um a lot of sales marketing concept ideation um a lot of customer relationships that I do at Outvoice um and in my own personal freelancing career it, I'm a business owner I guess <laughs> I'm a self-employed business owner uh so that's the gist Awesome, Mira. Well, thank you. And absolutely, you're a business owner. And in some form of fashion, I think everybody here is or has been. So that's uh, definitely one of the reasons why I brought everybody together. Um, and last but certainly not least, Leslie Ann, how are you? I'm good. My name is Leslie Ann Dunn, and Ben and I go way, way, way back. Uh, how long have I known you, Ben? Like, um, Well, I How just was working on my CV and uh, I have 17 years in academia. So I'm going to say at least 17 years. Okay. 17 years. We met at University of Phoenix. I have since moved on and I am an associate professor soon to be, I'm applying for full professor this year. I'm tenured at Georgia state. Awesome. So um, I teach there. In addition, I have a couple other, I'm an attorney. I have a couple other law gigs that I do. I work for a firm in Oklahoma. All my work is virtual. And I am uh, licensed to practice in Georgia, Florida, and California. And I'm going for three new states, uh, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Utah. And in addition to that, I also work with a company. It's a Fortune 150 company that's an IT distributor. 
uh, and I work on their team that does global intellectual property. So is that your specialty, intellectual property? You know what? It's my passion. So my specialty is litigation. I was a litigator for, I've been practicing law for 30 years. So I was, I was mainly a litigator before getting into academia and I've still done litigation probably for, I'll say 28 years, 25, 28 years, but I really wanted to kind of make a shift. And while I worked at Georgia state, I started developing a passion for intellectual property and I've done lots of presentations on copyright and uh, intellectual property protections for professors, especially with online teaching. Mm. And so I was able to kind of transfer that. Um, when I work with a corporation, we deal more with trademarks, uh, global trademarks, marks, and service marks, and also patents. So I've gotten into all those things um, separate from copyrights. Thank you. I, uh, I hope that through learning a little bit about what everybody does, you're kind of understanding a little bit of why when I think about a dream team of people to put together to launch something that I hope will become not only a resource for individuals to be able to find news and information about how to develop their careers. I mean, whether or not this eventually evolves into kind of a current events kind of place, I don't necessarily know that that's really the ambition to start. So let me back up and just kind of explain a little bit about what I'm hoping to create from all of this. Everybody here has a level of business knowledge that you have either formally learned through uh, academia, or you have been forced to learn out of necessity of just doing the work you enjoy. And there, you know, as I mentioned before, and, and we have a few others here who have, uh, have taught or you consult, and I'm sure you run into people all the time, especially in up and coming generation of people who are asking the same kinds of questions or you're hearing the same kinds of things all the time how do I do this? Or when I'm faced with a challenge of dealing with difficult people, managing a difficult situation, cultivating my career, growing into what I ultimately want to become, you know, people continually ask these questions, or I'm faced with a lot as well. And, you know, I kind of feel like there's a, there's a gap there. There's a generation of people who have a, a tremendous amount of knowledge and wisdom and insight but no outlet to really to really funnel that into. And so what I'm trying to do is create a place that is really built from people who are kind of experts in their own right. They've built something, accomplished something, done something, and have wisdom to share. So it kind of starts with the, you know, right now it's starting with the podcast, which is the chronicle of, of what this company is, evolving into content. And so the question then becomes, what is that content? How do we get it out there in front of people? How do we make it, I guess you would say, buzzworthy? And then adding to that other media. So that's what we're trying to do with this media. And it's my hope that this board is going to help take it there. And with introductions out of the way, the next thing I wanted to focus on was the actual formation of the company. So I recognize there's a lot of people coming from a lot of different backgrounds who are listening to this podcast. And there are gonna be times when I explain something that might seem very basic for some people, but could be new information for someone else. 
And with that said, let me talk about a couple different ways that you can structure a business. Probably the most basic way is to start a business as a sole proprietorship. Now the benefit of this structure is that it gives the owner complete control and probably has the least amount of paperwork that you would have to do. And for some there are benefits to doing this, but it also leaves you very exposed legally and financially. It means that your business assets and liabilities are no different and not separated from your own personal finances. So if something goes wrong, your personal assets are at risk. Another very simple business formation is a partnership. In a partnership, there are really two kinds of ways that you can structure yourself. You can either be a limited partnership or a limited liability partnership. With a limited partnership, only one general partner has unlimited liability while all the other partners have limited liability. Now the downside of this for limited liability partners is that you also have limited control. Profits from this structure are passed through to personal tax returns and the general partner may also have to pay self-employment taxes. Limited liability partnerships, however, give limited liability to every owner and protects each partner from debts against the partnership. Now another type of limited liability structure is what they call an LLC, a limited liability company. The benefit of an LLC is that it lets you take advantage of both corporate and partnership business structures. LLCs help to protect your personal assets and profits and losses can get passed through to your personal income without facing corporate taxes. However, members of an LLC are considered self-employed and must pay self-employment taxes. Next on the list are corporations, and I'm going to talk about two types of corporations, a C-Corp and an S-Corp. Now, corporations have what they call corporate personhood, and what this means is that they can be legally taxed and are its own separate entity outside of the ownership structure. Corporations offer the strongest protection for its owners against personal liability claims. However, the cost to start a corporation is a little bit higher than some of the others that I discussed earlier. And unlike LLCs, corporations must pay income tax on their profits. And in some cases, corporations face what is often called double taxation. And this is because they pay tax first when they make a profit, but then also when dividends are paid to shareholders as well. Another benefit of a corporation is that its life is independent of its shareholders or stakeholders in the company. This means that any one of these people can exit the company and the company can live on. Corporations tend to be a good option for medium to high risk organizations. Corporations are also a good option for those who are looking to raise money or going public in the future. And the last structure I'm going to talk about is an S-Corp. And S-Corps can actually apply to an LLC, but we're going to talk about them in the context of a corporation. S-Corps are specifically designed to help avoid double taxation. They also allow for some profits and losses to be passed through directly to the personal income statements of the owners as well. However, to get this special benefit, you must also make sure that you file with the IRS. There are some special limits to an S-Corp, which you should probably check out the IRS guidelines for, but they are a great option for those who want the best of both worlds, that of a limited liability corporation, as well as the protections of a C-Corp. 
Now there's a couple other structures that I didn't really mention. There's B Corps, there's closed corporations, nonprofit corporations, but I'll leave it up to you if you are interested in those to go check out the Small Business Administration, sba.gov. There's all kinds of information on structures and how to get a business started there, and I would definitely advise that you check it out. As it relates to Dist Media, my thoughts were that we should be a C-Corp, and there's a couple reasons for that. I wanted to give board members a share of the company. That was why I asked them to be on the board in the first place. I want them to have an ownership stake and share in the success of what we build together. For me to do that, I knew a C-Corp was going to be the best option, but I still had some questions. Here's what the team had to say. So one of the questions that I have is, where is it better to incorporate? I, I can tell you uh, from our experience before Leslie corrects me, um, did you hear that, Leslie? You get to correct me. Uh, it's been years since you've had to do this, so get ready. Uh, Delaware is, if you're a pharmaceutical company, for sure. There's so much case history, uh, case law on the books, um, very predictable, very easy to uh, incorporate there. And it just, from our perspective, the last two times we've had to do it, that's where we did it. Um, you also you also want the uh, QSBS, right? And you got to. I'm pretty sure you got to be a corporation, and then the best place to be a corporation is Delaware. I would vote Delaware unless we have other information. I would what also is the QSBS. I don't know that term. Uh, qualified small business exemption. Uh, you can sell a bit. Yeah, sell a business under fifty billion in assets with no cap gains if you do it in five years after you form it or something like that. Um. So our boy Ben can keep more of his own money uh, if he does it right. <laughs> uh, ben, I would also recommend um, a one-year cliff and a four-year vesting schedule for any shares that you hand out. I'm not going to say uh, this team isn't the team, but sometimes people disappear and they don't do their work or whatever, and you got to get rid of them. So put a one-year cliff on it. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. There's a lot of places that will uh, do this for a nominal fee online. Anybody have any feedback as to whether or not that's a, a, a good or bad idea? I know that you need a, a registered agent in the state of Delaware, so you kind of have to go with somebody uh, unless you happen to live in the state of Delaware. Any uh, Anybody have any recommendations? I've got the name of uh, the group we used the last couple of times. They're, they're seamless. They, they do a good job. And I'm sure the other, any other recommendation you get, that's what they do. They're yeah. I um at least from what I've seen, like I said, I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, they buy Google AdWords and, you know, uh, float to the top of recommendations. I didn't know if there was anything I need to be leery about, uh, as I engage with, uh, folks doing this. We've had a good experience, um, but I can only talk about the, you know, the, couple of times that we've done it. So here's a question. Although I, I feel like doing it as a C Corp is in the best interest of the longer term strategy of what I want to do with this. Um, would there be any reason to do it as an LLC versus a C Corp? Pass through uh, tax, right? That's the LLC yeah. strategy is uh, you only got to pay your taxes once. So um, the problem with the LLC, as far as I understand it, maybe this is different in Delaware. 
is I'm pretty sure the LLC doesn't qualify for the uh, qualified small business tax exemption. So if you if you plan on selling this thing one day, I, I think you want it to be a corporation and you want to start it now because I think you got to wait five years before you sell it. The other thing I would say is uh, I used uh, Stripe Atlas a couple of times. Super simple tech platform to help you set up a company or convert a company. Uh, my complaint with it would be that it's both a pro and a con. Stuff like your articles of incorporation and all that sort of stuff, they'll, they'll just throw a boilerplate one at you, which is kind of nice if you're just looking to move quick. But if you're looking for detail, make sure things are done right. Maybe you want to go with some sort of agency or something. But if you wanted to start a corporation in Delaware, you could do it tonight with Stripe Atlas. <laughs> right. Yeah, so. that's that's how a, a lot of these things are that I, I've noticed. I think um, that's probably the easiest step of uh, of doing things. The more difficult step is, um, you know, being mindful of the uh, uh, everything else that happens later, staying on top of filing and all of that stuff. I don't have any experience in setting up a corporation in Delaware. Obviously the corporations I've worked with have been out of Georgia. The only thing that I would say in doing that, and again, it might be more advantageous in your long-term goals and what you want to do in selling the company and for tax benefits. I can't really comment on that. Uh, If you do incorporate in Delaware, that sets the business up uh, to jurisdiction in Delaware in case there are any kind of lawsuits or litigation. If there's any violations, intellectual property or anything like that, the the business uh, is sued where it resides and that would be Delaware. So that would be the consideration that I would would give on that. Ben, one thing to consider also is uh, if you're looking at particular laws, uh, media businesses are very susceptible to libel uh, lawsuits and uh, they mm-hmm. don't really need to be well-founded. It's just sometimes, particularly in business, people with money don't like something you say. There you go. Go you got a, yeah, you got a lawsuit, so. Matt's comments made perfect sense and there was a lot of agreement from the team that this was definitely something that I needed to prepare for just in case. Errors and emissions insurance, or as some people call it, professional liability insurance, is something that's pretty common in business. And even if you're not an online media organization, you could just be any business making professional decisions where sometimes those decisions might create some sort of liability. So I knew this was something that I was going to have to factor in, but this early in the stage, I'm not necessarily worried about it right now. As far as cost is concerned, it's not necessarily something that's a major concern for me. From past experience, this is something that I have looked into before for other things that I've been involved in, and I don't recall the quotes or prices of this being exorbitantly out of hand. But in just talking about this, it also brought me back to a really important point that I wanted to reinforce with the rest of the team. That is one of the things, I, you know, I didn't put it on the agenda, but getting insurance is probably something uh, that would be wise to do. You know, and one of the things I've shared with all of you is um, the goal here is not to create a political lightning rod. I I am a big believer that consumer goods, and I consider this medium and platform of informing people to be a consumer good. Consumer goods are for everyone. They're not for certain people and and not others. And so business information, 
doesn't care about your political agendas. It is the information that it is. So, you know, that's, you know, kind of the the angle that that I want to always kind of think about things as we're putting it out there, you know, to try and be informative and not, you know, politically informative, if you will. But thank you for that. That that is uh, that makes a lot of sense. And I will, uh, um, like I said, the insurance is definitely something I, I um, will have as we as we go forward. So I appreciate Matt bringing up that point. And this actually opened up the conversation a little bit more to some other legal questions that Lisa had as well. As long as we're talking about insurance and stuff, and some of you guys may know this. So how do you handle? the intellectual property of the writers and does it become trademark is not the right term but it's it's their copyright copyright. Copyright. yeah so we haven't gotten to that yet because but i will say kind of here here is where my thoughts are around content and um you know how we how we ultimately pay for content how we compensate people for content as we move ahead, you know, this, this business, I want it to be uh, profitable, but I also am not necessarily trying to make this like, for me, I have a lot of, I have a lot of respect for content creators. And I want to be fair to the content creator, but also create a strategy for growth. And I thought about like, can you create kind of the Costco model of of publication. And the Costco model is we're going to create enough margin to keep the lights on and pay people and and grow but not so much that we are, you know, being grossly overcompensated for the work of other people. Good news, right? Ben. You, you chose a media business so you're going to be doing that in the best case scenario. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, so Matt, how, how we, so what do you, what do you mean by that? Uh, well, but I mean, publishing in general, especially online is not a high margin business. Um, there are some forms of publishing online that are high margin businesses, uh, really popular podcaster with a microphone and a producer, extremely high margin if you can get the audience. But as far as like putting out content and hiring content creators, to uh, put out content for you. You know, if you pay a hundred bucks, you'll be really lucky. Now I, w- I shouldn't say really lucky. If you pay a hundred bucks, you should be looking to get $110 or $120 on average of advertising revenue or subscription or affiliate revenue or some sort of conversion uh, on your content spend. Um, so you won't, I don't think you'll need to worry about grossly overcompensating or, or grossly overcompensating yourself uh, publishing online. Uh, the other thing I'd say as far as trademark or intellectual property, the way that I would handle it would um, be, I would come up with a boilerplate contract uh, for all of your content creators. I have one, I can send it to you. And I would put it onto your Outvoice account. Every time that you invite someone, they have to sign off on this before they can get paid. And I would keep the intellectual property uh, for republishing into books because getting into digital media, uh, a lot of times what you do to boost your revenue every once in a while, we did it, we put out a book. And so you pay people for the article once and then you do a compilation book. Completely agree with that. Um, I think if you're putting out content, then you need to, the, the company needs to own it. My friend, Mira, my friend Mira here may have a, a, a more insight into that. But from the publisher point of view, you definitely want to own it unless there's a, sometimes star writers have their own contracts. That's exactly what I was going to say. Some freelancers, depending on their expertise, 
Um, they'll have their own contracts that they give to a company, but I feel like for something like this, it would it wouldn't be it's not like far out of left field for freelancers to um, sign off on intellectual property rights. Got it. So what are your thoughts though? Like uh, as we get into things like podcasting, so let's say for example, um, Lisa wants to do a podcast and we put it out under the disc media label. You know, one of the things that I, I, I want people to be able to, you know, promote it. Ultimately what you're trying to do is drive traffic back to the content so that you get, you know, revenue from, from that content. How have you guys seen in the media side, how do revenue splits happen with podcast talent? Given that we, you know, want to, we want to do podcasts. We want to kind of get into that and other online media as well. Yeah. So launched a few podcasts, have a small podcast network consulted for a podcast network. I love the podcast economics when there's an audience there, but until there's an audience there, you want to try to keep your costs low. So make sure that you align your incentives with your creator. I am a personally a believer that they should definitely own, uh, co-own the podcast with the media brand. One of the main reasons why I believe this is because it's super easy to do your own podcast. So mm-hmm. let's not ignore that fact and only select for people who, for some reason, decide to work with media brands, even when they can do it themselves. So I would say something like uh, Dist Media pays for the uh, production cost and the revenue uh, off the podcast after the production cost is covered is split 50-50, including uh, any uh, licensing. If you ever the podcast gets big enough that you're able to sell it to a podcast company, I would think that that would be a pretty fair shake of it. Then what you would do is you go get a freelance audio engineer, and if it's a video podcast, a freelance video editor, and you try to keep your costs low, you know, put out a podcast and maybe you have one one editor who does three of your media businesses podcast and you try to make sure that you're not spending more than you know 2000 bucks a month or something to produce these podcasts and uh hopefully one of them takes off because the the economics of a podcast are until you get over like 10,000 viewers on each episode there's no advertising money really to speak of um sometimes you can get small monthly retainer deals that could help offset your production costs the one thing I will say is that the particular audience that you've decided to target, uh, business people, can be a really, really high value audience. So a smaller number of podcast listeners might end up being a higher amount of value that you can pull out of them, particularly if you're selling some high ticket item, lessons, classes, or maybe you've just maybe you do a, a lead. You, you can generate leads off of it, right? So like if you have three thousand music fans who listen to a podcast, whatever. They might buy a record. If you have 3,000 people who run businesses with annual revenues over $10 million or whatever, uh, you could sell those that audience for much more to someone who has a consulting business or uh, executive coaching business, or you could start your own. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes, uh, that makes a lot of sense because I think getting into that business of finding people who have a good voice, who have a good message and bringing the, the production into disc media, helping them, you know, cause a lot of people are like, yeah, there's people out there. I've been faced several times since, you know, folks have, you know, heard uh, stuff that I've done and they're like, you know, how do we, how do you do it? How do you get started? And 
I start going down the list of all the things that you need to do. And about halfway through their eyes just kind of glaze over and it's like, you know, it's, I mean, you know, it takes work. Um, it's not hard work, but it just, it takes work. One of the ways to think about the podcasters and the, uh, is to think of them as the faces of your business and the people who are kind of best at this of creating characters for the media business would be like Barstool sports. Like, you know, all the characters in the office and what they're up to, or a lot of people do it daily wire. You yeah. Know, there's, here's our content creator and we built a media business around them. So yeah. that would be a model to follow. Well, podcasting is definitely going to be a focus for disc media. I mean, clearly you're listening to one now, so it's definitely fits into our strategy. However, my focus really for this meeting was around written content. And one of the questions that I've had in my head for a while is how much content should we have? When should we start putting that content out there? And when should we start to try and drive people to our site? I knew Matt and Mira have a lot of experience in media, so I really kind of turned my focus to them and tried to capture what they thought. Yeah, podcasting is definitely one element of it. And, uh, you know, for me, the strategy is to, well, I have the podcast that's chronicling what we do and uh, and how it goes, how everything kind of rolls out. The thing that I'm trying to get my my brain around as well is um, the online, you know, written content. And so Matt and Mira, I got a question for both of you, which is uh, thinking about online content is, uh, what would you say is the kind of frequency that I need to be thinking about? And how do you go? I mean, are you focusing on I don't know. I don't want to make it clickbaity, but like, how, how do you, you know, we can write smart things, but is it going to be what people want to read? And so how do you balance like the frequency, the content type, you know, all of that into online stuff? When I think about building like a brand and the the online content, I want to be able to think about like, well, what are the categories or what are the topics that I want to just like have and have like four categories and then brainstorm what sort of posts would go into those four different categories based on uh, what you think people will be searching for. And as for frequency, I think at the beginning or before you launch, a lot of media organizations before they launch, they already have stuff in the pipeline. So I don't know, Matt, what do you think? I think that 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 would be uh, what you laid out is good editorial. There's uh, quite a few things here from the business perspective. I would say, Ben, you need to nail down what traffic acquisition strategy you want to pursue. There are quite a few out there. Uh, For example, are you looking to be an SEO-based traffic acquisition strategy? Are you looking to have a social media-based traffic acquisition strategy? And then your content is going to be adjusted based on that. The frequency of your post is also going to be based on your traffic acquisition strategy and which algorithm you are trying to make happy, whether you're trying to make it the Google Discover, Google News algorithm. These algorithms, by the way, are not shared, so we have to make our best guess at what they want. Um, uh, For example, if you decide that your media company is best on TikTok to bring in new readers, 
it's common belief that you need to be posting <clears throat> on TikTok once a day. And there's quite a few studies on that. Um, but if you're looking for SEO based traffic, uh, sometimes having these cornerstone pieces of content that you update just this one article on a reoccurring basis, but that article gets stronger and stronger, you might not need to publish as often. Google news, they're all about recency. There's a lot of layers here about how do you get people onto this site. Um, and the thing that I would recommend to you would be maybe you and I sit down and we look over a couple different uh, media businesses that you admire and we try to pin down one or two models that we could try to replicate and try our hand at and see which one we can begin to make some headway on. My first media business was built, I was in the right place in the right time and I put content up on Facebook and they shared it to everyone. The organic reach was just through the roof. Um, there are still places to find organic reach, but they're not always as easy to spot. One of them is TikTok, you know. So there's there's a lot of stuff here, and I, I could also yeah. put you I could also put you in touch with this great. Uh, we have to we have to break down what exactly you want to do. The one thing that I would try to impress upon you is try to do a couple things, run them as experiments, see if they work. You know, don't don't try to be everything all at once. Don't try to be everything all at once. Definitely some wise words from Matt. So as we continued on with the meeting, there were a few other things that we talked about. But as we started to wrap things up, I felt really good about where we were. I felt like we had a good opportunity for everybody to introduce themselves and get to know each other. And, you know, we're still coming together as a team. And so the fact that we're not all jumping in right away is not necessarily much of a surprise for me at this point. In business communication classes that I teach, we talk a lot about this concept around uh, forming, storming, norming, and performing. And right now, the board is really in the forming stage of things. We're all, you know, politely socializing. We're not stepping on each other's toes. We're allowing others to have conversation. And a lot of us are just kind of sitting back and listening to what others have to say. But I am looking forward to us getting past this stage and getting to more of the storming and norming phase of things where we really start to bounce more ideas off of each other, have some deeper conversations, and really start to even challenge one another as we go further down the road. But all in all, I will call this meeting a success, and I'm happy to see that we've gotten to this point, and also very thankful for all the feedback and information that I got coming out of this meeting. So for now, I want to thank my board, and I also want to thank all of you for checking out our little podcast here and hoping to see where this thing goes. At the end of the day, Dismedia is also working on building a community, a community of learners and knowledge seekers, and this is where I'm hoping that maybe you can help us out. If you liked what you heard today, or maybe you didn't, or you have some feedback for us, please let us know. Drop by our show page at distmedia.com and let us know what you're thinking. You might have also picked up in this episode that growth is all about engagement and reach. So if you liked what you heard in this episode today, consider giving us a like on your podcast app, or even better, share this episode with a friend. It would really help us out by giving us a chance to grow, and we can continue to bring great content your way. And with that, I thank you all for checking us out. I hope to see you back with our next episode. Until next time, adios, y'all.